listen, this is why God is calling me to first class. This man went to the bathroom on an international flight from Paris to L.A. and came back with his pants off and was just sitting on the plane draws to the world. You can't sit in the main cabin in your drawers, sir. You got balls air wafted all through the cabin. This is this is a closed circuit situation. You know that little crevice between your your legs and your and your uh hydrant, amen. It stinks right there. Right after you get in the shower, you get that friction as you phone it. That's an eleven hour flight. I've done that, bro. You can't do that, cuz we got a fight on the dead homies. You can't have your drawers off. Then this man had the nerve with his drawers out to take his shoes and socks off. Fam, you at home in the middle of the air. What are you doing? How dare you disrespect me, my nostrils and my eyes, by having standard issue Walmart three for two dollar drawers on like you at the crib. Now, mind you, I be at the house like this all the time. But I'm more boxer brief, man, because I like the form-fitting um, secureness of a brief, but the flexibility of a boxer. But I'm at the crib. I'm not on flight 2217 to LAX in my drawers. And apparently he was like this for a good bit of the flight. He finally put him back on. The flight attendant was like, the girl was like, hey, man, your boy out here in his drawers. And they're like, well, you can move. I can move. I got the exit row. He got to put his pants back on. Boy, y'all feel like y'all own the world. If you finna just go balls air out in main cabin. And when I was in first class from New York to L.A. that time, everybody had their pants on. And I just think you're wild disrespectful if you out here in your drawers. And I'll sock you on the hook. Yeah, uh, it is uh, Wednesday, February 20th, uh, 2019. I am, I'm so, I know I say this kind of every week, but I'm so, if I do say it every week, but it's just like, I'm just not in the mood to talk. Now, not to mention that um, I'm not drunk enough to do this right now, because uh, it's been a really bad month for myself and everybody involved, because, uh, I mean, let's let's just let's just take a look back at how awful this Black History Month was. Just it was. I mean, it, it just keeps coming one after the other after of the other. We're just like, uh, let's um, start with corporations just don't know how to market to people anymore without being racist i mean the, the the newest one uh was burberry just walk coming out with a hoodie with a noose around the neck like that is blatantly just why would anybody want just want to walk around with a hoodie hoodie with a noose around the neck unless of course you're cat williams because, of course, Cat Williams has always rocked the hoodie around the neck for some reason. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I forgot who the hell did that, uh, did that, uh, that, uh, blackface Sambo hoodie, 
uh, turtleneck now, just because it's just like it just seems that so many companies right now just want to be racist for some reason. I don't know if they're just doing this to troll everybody or just want to get uh, get get the the brand out there, but it's just. I don't care one way or the other because I'm broke and I ain't going to buy any of this stuff. I'm I'm trying to save up to go to the uh, Disabled American Veterans Thrift Store right now. So you ain't going to see me rocking any Burberry or Gucci or whatever the hell uh, uh, brand decides to be uh, accidentally racist, which apparently that's, that's, that's the whole thing that kills me. Like there aren't any black people working in these companies just roll up on somebody and say hey you know that's 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 pretty racist what you're doing right there just might might not want to put that in the catalog because it's 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 racist it's a turtleneck that you raise up around bottom half of your face and, and you and you look like uh you look like al jelson right yeah you look like you look like you should be in, in bamboozled. That's a movie I didn't think I'd be talking about this time of year. Just you know, yeah, remember that overtop Spike Lee movie where he just had Savion Glover and Tommy Davidson in blackface to show how things haven't changed and this this pretty much that's what's going on now. Just everybody's in blackface. Everybody's in blackface. Now everybody's in blackface. Then, oh, just. But and, and furthermore, just dress, just putting crap on your face, just completely uh, cover who you are. It's like just just cover the whole damn face. That does that does that doesn't look cute. That doesn't look good at all. It just makes you look like you feel you have to. Uh, you have to cover yourself up because you know you you you, know, you have scars or burn marks or something like that. Just look like look like you know people in blackface regularly look like um uh, how, how should I put this? Because uh, well, because it reminds me of those uh, Sebastião Salgado's uh, photos of uh, people uh, who've been in like oil fields and stuff like that. It's like you look like you're in oil fields all the you just got through from working in an oil field and just 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 oil fi- s- fell on your face and just I know so some of you may not know Sebastian Salgado is that's why I was talking about like hey should I bring up this photographer but it's like that's just that's what blackface reminds me of. You look like you just got through from working in an oil field and, and, you know, oil struck and you're covered in oil and stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's developing news, breaking news. Um, Jesse Smollett turns out, uh, I believe, what is was it now? He's just been a... Uh, He's he, he, he's is he charged? I don't know yet. Just like he just oh charged with a uh, felony disorderly conduct. Chicago police say Smollett was charged for allegedly filing a false police report in relation to the alleged attack against him in January. Yeah, this is 
He's been classified as a suspect. As, oh, Jesus. Yes. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, I was talking uh, with a guest here, and I and I said on the show, I just I hope he's telling the truth. I hope it's a. I hope it's 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 an actual thing that happened, because uh, uh, and during the the, the music uh, portion of the show, I was talking with him, because the whole thing kind of reminded me of that time Morton Downey Jr. I don't know if you, I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember Morton Downey Jr. He um, went into an airport bathroom, uh, cut his hair off, uh, put a swastika around his, uh, drew a swastika on his face, and said that it was neo-Nazi skinheads going after him. That's like he he purposely started he trying to drum up some controversy for him to get out of his show or whatever, and just like kind of. Kind of reminded me of that, and it's just like I really didn't want to believe it, but here we are now, just like the two, apparently two extras caught on video buying supplies, and it's just, just makes everybody look bad at this point, because it's just like, because now every time uh, somebody in the LGBTQ community, um, uh, talk about uh, an altercation they had or they were uh, gay bashed or they were just uh, assaulted or whatever is going to be harder for them to to, to, to get sympathy because somebody's always going to draw, oh, what about Jesse Smollett? And just like, uh, well, I mean, it's, you know, we're still, it's the, the story's still developing. So there's a possibility that it, Man, but at this point now, it's just, uh, uh, just, it just looks really, really bad. Just bad all around. Much, much bad than when Trump is talking about the wall. Cause we're in, of course we're in national emergency cause he's really trying to build the freaking wall. Even though like who the hell wants the wall at this point? He, it looks like he doesn't want it. He just, just looks tired. Of course, that's why he went out to Mar-a-Lago and had, I don't know, an omelet breakfast or whatever the hell he, that, that photo was. So I don't know if you know this, but John Wayne is racist. He was racist as, as if the dozens and dozens of um, uh, westerns were his hunting down Native Americans that didn't uh, give it to you right there. But uh, just they they somebody drew up this 1971 uh, Playboy interview where he was where he was just going off. Going off on the blacks. That's, of course, that's what they were called back then, the blacks. Uh, and uh, just talk, oh, just saying all kinds of uh, foul stuff. And and, and and there are people who are actually saying, hey, you know, John Wayne's dead. You know, why, why are you bringing all this up? Yeah, because, you know, every now, well, I, I can only speak for when I saw, like, every now and then just need to be reminded that, you know, you know, a lot of, Great people in their time, you know. John Wayne, of course, was a, a screen icon, and everything. But you know, he he, he was trash. He, like he, me, you know, a lot of people, you know, back in the day, you know, they were trash too. Just like you know, uh, just like I, I think at this point now, we're just gonna have to, cause like you know, if we're gonna, you know, John Wayne was trash, but you can also say, hey, 
Marvin Gaye was kind of trash, but hey, I'm I'm still going to listen to his music. And we really got to determine, because I, I don't know about any, all y'all, but I can't separate the artist from the art. They're, you know, we if we you know if we literally just go down the great history of just people, if that's if we can call it that, and just point out all the trash things they did, but the great things they did as well, we'll we'll be talking about this forever. So, um, so yeah, so that's just a reminder. John Wayne was awesome in Stagecoach. I always liked him as stagecoach, but you know, he was as for being a old ass white dude, he 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 was trash. Just uh Y'all stop y'all if y'all still feel need to badmouth Malia Obama for, for, for being oh uh, a young woman, then y'all need to do something with yourself because you know you don't see people bringing up uh, Ivanka and all the friggin' uh, uh, bikini layouts she did in the like 15 years ago. Just even you know, you know we can, but we'll just talk about how she is now and how she's not really bringing much to the table as whatever I forgot what the hell she does in the White House, but. Ah, Jesus. Ah, what time is it? Okay. Um. What? There's a couple other things I was, I was thinking about saying. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Ghostbusters. Uh, today, uh, Jason Reitman, who's directing the Ghostbuster sequel reboot that's coming out. I don't know when the hell it said it's he's gonna give that back to the fans. That the the the, the, the new one is gonna is gonna be for the fans. Oh you mean the fans who acted like sad little bitches when um uh it turned it to, uh, an all female version was gonna be made. Those those people just yeah though they can have it because Oh man, we I'm I'm getting you know this toxic fandom is starting to become a thing that's this just makes no sense to me. I mean, I understand you have a a vested interest in a in a movie franchise like Star Wars or something. But if 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 one of those movies blow or what you know, whatnot, just Let's let's can we try not to um, terrorize everybody that got that was involved with it? You can say, "Hey, I didn't particularly like what you did with that movie," but gee, why y'all got keep dra- driving people off Instagram because y'all didn't like the Last Jedi? What 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 the hell are y'all doing with your time that you see? You know that you know that Asian gal. I'm just gonna just call her a talentless whore on her Instagram page over and over again until she dips out and writes an op-ed for the New York Times. So, okay, that's a few. I'm I'm kind of done at the moment. So, I guess we'll get to the music portion of this debacle. Um, 
this is uh, the most bootylicious show on uh, KPST. Did I actually say bootylicious right now? Okay, yeah, screw it, I said it. This is the uh, the sour hour. Let's do this. Let's see if we can do this.
Okay. Uh, that one's happening. Okay, and uh, let's see. We're going to move into another song. Here it goes.
And a girl fell in love, glad as I can be. Met a girl fell in love, glad as I can be. But I think all the time, is she true to me? Cause there's nothing in this world to stop me worrying about that girl. I found out I was wrong, she was just too timing. I found out I was wrong, she just kept on lying. Now she tries to tell the truth, and I just can't believe. There's nothing in this world to stop me worrying about that girl Tell me who can I turn to, just who can I believe I try to put her out of my mind, she only calls me grief I love that girl, whatever she's done You know it hurts me deeply Cause there's nothing in this world that stop me worrying about that girl I know she's been with other fellas, why she keep on lying? It hurts me so when she says nothing, I really feel I die Inside every time I think I know it's just my pride Cause there's nothing in this world To stop me worrying about that girl Cause there's nothing in this world To stop me worrying about that girl Okay, uh, this is the Sour Hour, a.k.a. Everything is Cancelled, a.k.a. My Hip. Uh, and you listen to this on KPFT HD 2, not 3, 2. Uh, I am Craig D. Lindsay, a.k.a. Uncle Crizzle, a.k.a. Black Larry David, a.k.a. Anastasia Beaverhausen, a.k.a. Fat Greasy. And uh, if you want to holler at me on the interwebs through the various social media foundations or whatever, it is uh, at Uncle Crizzle, U-N-C-L-E, C-R-I-Z-Z-L-E. Um, and uh, if you, uh, you know, want, want to let me know you're listening to this crap, uh, it's uh, hashtag the sour hour while, while you're out there doing hashtag that if you don't mind. And um, if you want to listen to this episode and other episodes like it, uh, you can go on the various uh, listening apps, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Mixcloud, Apple Podcasts, and it's all out there. Um, Let's start with uh, what I played uh, starting at the top. Uh, 
Run's House by Run DMC. That's from the uh, Tougher Than Leather album. Uh, I I haven't listened to that song in so long, I forgot that they brought the beat back at the end. Like, they, they, they fade out, then they brought the beat. I thought, oh, damn, the... They're going to play the song again, but just no, they just brought the beat back. So I just like tried to save it, but I didn't need to save it. It was just, I could have just let it through, but you know, just that's how I roll. Uh, after that was, uh, was Ragdoll by, uh, by Aerosmith. Um, I believe that was from the, uh, late eighties, uh, was it the, uh, permanent vacation? What is it called? Is it? Is it permanent or extended? I'm just, I'm trying to figure that out my damn self. But yeah, I thought I'd uh, always loved the uh, the horns on that one. Uh, just believe in the music video they were they were going through Bourbon Street and everything like that. And uh, finally, uh, yeah, permanent vacation. That's that got it. All right, there it goes. And. Uh, and uh, finally, nothing in the world can stop me from thinking about that. It's a long title. Um, uh, uh, from uh, from the uh, Kinks, main British band. You probably wonder, uh, Craig, why the hell are you playing all this stuff? Well, um, it's it's because it has something to do with the guest tonight. Now all I got to do is 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 track them down. I got to. Oh, do 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 do. My mind is in such a blur right now. I'm, I am really not drunk enough to to do this. Uh let's see. Yeah, let me get him on the phone right now. Let's see, let's see if I. Hello. Hello, uh, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How you doing? Fine, man. Are you? Are you? Are you, you want to? Oh, here we are. We right now. We're doing FaceTime. You there? Yeah, I'm there. How you doing? Uh, Good. How you doing? Fine. Uh, well, this is we have we have the guest this evening. Um, he is the uh, national arts reporter for the Washington Post. Uh, he has uh, he's uh, done a a podcast called the. Uh, Edge of Fame, and he has a new book out uh, titled uh, Walk This Way, Run DMC, Aerosmith, and the song that changed American music forever. Jeff Edgers, welcome to the Sour Hour. Hey there, how you doing? Fine, how are you this fine day? I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm listening. Oh, there we go, there you are. I'm yeah, sure there Looking at the roof, you know. Yeah, I was just um, picking up the uh, stuff right there, but um, but yeah, just uh, I don't know if you've been listening to the uh, selections that I played. I have. Yeah, you like that Kinks one because I know how personal the Kinks is for you. I do. Yeah, maybe maybe I I. I'm sorry, but I listened to the clicky you gave me, but there was like all this like soul music. Was, was I listening to the wrong thing? Yeah, you were. Yeah, uh, what was that? What was I listening to? You like, were listening. You were listening to the Flash Gordon Park show, which is happening in the main studio. This I is hate the, that show. I'm just kidding. No, 
Uh, all right, so I, I was confused, but look, I'm like an old man. I don't know how to use things, you know. Well, I well yeah, I said, uh, uh, this is the HD two portion of the station. And that's what, what Kink song did you play? Uh, well, it was, it's the it's the long title one from the Rushmore soundtrack. Oh, uh, something not, not, something about worried about this girl. Yeah, nothing in the world. There was one song in this world that you know, something about this girl, something like that. It's a nice song, though. Yeah, I, there, there's actually one King song that I listened to like a year or so ago, and I thought I shazammed it, but I didn't. Apparently, how's that one go? I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I just said I, I was actually looking for it before I got on the air, and I just said, "Screw it, I'll just play the song from Rushmore." I guess we could just go through every Kink song and maybe it will ring a bell, you know? That's basically what I kind of did. Yeah, there are only 5,000, so yeah. you could start with, like, You Really Got Me and just keep going. Hey, wait, what about Walk This Way, that book that I wrote? What about that? I was going to get into that, man. No. I was going but... to sell the Kinks, you know? I don't think the Kinks need me to sell them records. I need to sell some books or else I'll, I'll be, you know, destitute, right? You, you, is, is it that way for you so far? Is it getting that way? Well, I don't know. It's impossible to know. You can't really tell how many books you sell until like time passes. But I've done everything I can. I got good reviews. I I, I sent them out to people. I sent it to you. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I I beg with people on the Facebook to to buy one. I worked hard on it, you know. So I don't know. I, who knows, you know? Well, well, just uh, yeah. I was about to get you about uh, getting that book. I was, I, uh, but, uh, okay. I've, I've been reading it. I'm halfway through. Don't tell me how it ends. Um, and well, a tragic blimp accident. Yeah. Uh, that seems the, the way it goes, but, uh, what, uh, I guess the obvious question and, uh, excuse me for not, um, looking through the press release, but, um, what made you decide to, to, to tell this story? Cause it is a very fascinating story. Well, it was pretty simple. I mean, I was 15 years old when Run DMC released their version of Walk This Way. And it's hard for people to understand today. But back then, uh, rap was not... It wasn't that it wasn't just not part of our culture in the way that it is now. But it wasn't even played on the radio. You know, they played mm -hmm. it on, like, college stations. and like very, But it wasn't played on mainstream radio. It wasn't played on urban radio. Because black programmers were like into Peebo Bryson and like, you know, Tina Turner and stuff, and they didn't like hip hop. So that song changed everything. When that song came out, it was the first song that like broke the broke the format, mm -hmm. and so that was important to me. But beyond that, I also was really interested in just the weirdness. Are you doing okay there? What are you doing? There's a lot well, of noise. I'm I'm trying to put this this thing this contraption. On to this phone on this contraption that they have, but is it on the air? Are people listening to all this noise? Like it sounds like a like a tornado. It, no, it's not really a tornado. It's just that's just that's just the sound of the station. It's like all right. So the thing about Walk This Way, though, that's also interesting to me is just the basic story, the weirdness of having these two white, uh, you know, scraggly rock stars entering the studio on one day to hang out and record with these young African-American rap, you know, stars. Because Run DMC was already, like, pretty big. And I just mm -hmm. found that to be fascinating. So I did what I normally do. I'm not some genius writer. I just, I spoke to, like, you know, maybe 100 people. 
and I interviewed everybody I could find. The only people I didn't talk to were people who were dead, you know, and uh, and tried to tell that story in a way that would be enlightening to people, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I love the way how you uh, kind of uh, break down the entire uh, book so far, where it's just you know you, you you tell the you tell equally tell stories of Run DMC and Aerosmith and how, you know, in a way they were kind of passing each other uh, in this. Um, yeah, uh, uh, before they got to this cat collaboration, like if they didn't uh, collaborate with each other, it's kind of like hard to tell where their futures might have been. But it's just like you 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 catch Aerosmith uh, when they take this uh, this very self destructive nosedive, and then you catch uh you know with the with the drugs and just everything that they went through. And uh, you got Run DMC just starting out these young these these young guys, per, you know, uh, working together to uh, create this uh, to to bring some credibility to this uh, this uh, new form of uh, music called rap. Yeah, I mean the thing that's great is, and I I didn't want to in the first half of the book I basically have alternating chapters. I have Aerosmith and then I have Run DMC because those stories really weren't in the same place. I mean, they weren't in the same place time-wise, and they weren't in the same place geographically. They just, you know, we needed to tell the story of the rise and fall of Aerosmith on one on one side, and then the rise of like not just Run DMC, but hip hop culture and 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 rap as a marketable product. Because when it started out, like Rapper's Delight, for example, it really was basically disco with guys rapping over it, mm-hmm. and that's the the great revolution that you know Run DMC brought and it wasn't just Rick Rubin. It was also Larry Smith, their producer. It was that idea of stripping down the sound to its bare essentials and trying to give people what they heard in the club, not what was being put out on record. So my hope is, you know, at the Aerosmith side, it's like I knew they had some tough times, but I get really into the nitty gritty. I mean, I talked to everybody who might have been involved, you know, who's on a van with them as they're like having drug seizures, you know, getting every detail I can because I want to be able to explain how they end up in that moment, you know? So I, I love like, you know, I'm like a music geek. I love getting all the details and all the inside stuff, but not in a way that's like gossipy. I mean, I wanted to make sure it's all sourced and all real. Yeah. Cause, um, in, in reading this book, I was kind of surprised how, I'm, you you bring some new stuff to the story of Run DMC, like you know, because I've you know like anybody who knows about who who has grown grown up with rap and hip hop, kind of know how how they how, how they rose to prominence. But all the stuff with Aerosmith, like like I said, I'm halfway through it. I'm I'm shocked that they they survived all that. I mean, I don't know how yeah, much of it is. Say, I mean that 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 I mean the, there are so many things that when history is told, you know. Uh, it's told by the winners. So, you know, I think one of the pieces that I felt was important was I wanted to reframe the story and not have it be Aerosmith comes in and helps out these young guys and saves their career, when in fact it was really the opposite. It's really Run DMC saving Aerosmith. That was one piece. But also there are all these amazing, uh, you know, pioneers and heroes who've been wiped out of history because they either died or they didn't sell as many records. So, like, Rick Rubin, obviously, I do a lot with, the producer of Run DMC and the guy who produced that record. But also, Rick Rubin was like, 
crowned the king before he'd even become the king. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time trying to get at guys like Larry Smith, who I mentioned. He produced Run DMC's first two records. He produced all the Houdini records. He produced the Fat Boys. Larry King, Larry Smith was basically the real king of rap to me. He was, you know, he was like Phil Spector for a couple of years. And yet no one, if you walk down the street and asked 100 people, then no one would have even heard of him, you know? Even if you walked to South by Southwest, maybe one out of 100 people would hear of him. Also, you know, like MC Chirac, who is the MC in the fabulous four, uh, funky four plus one. Oh, yeah. The, the you know, female I, I found her. She lives in Texas, yeah. and I found her and interviewed her. Uh, you know, our Grandmaster Kaz, who was in the Cold Crush and, like, you know, basically had his rhyme stolen by Big Bank Hank in you know in in uh for the sugar hill gang but grandmaster kaz is another guy who should be given full credit for what he did and it's a great story so you know i hope that that the, that sheds a light on those people yeah well that, well that's another great thing because well it, it, it brings up a uh a discussion maybe if you want to talk about where it just you, you just talked about how there are a lot of people who are forgotten in hip-hop like larry smith and as you say uh you know Basically, I mean, I don't know if she's like the first one of the first female uh, MCs. That pretty much, yeah. yeah. And uh, was. yeah, and just like it almost seems like hip hop at oftentimes often forgets its uh, its trailblazers. As it's constantly seen as such like a young person's game. I mean, I'm pretty sure if if you walk down South by Southwest and uh, ask somebody who Run DMC is, they'll probably won't know because I've seen that. I've seen these youngsters have no idea who Run DMC is. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, um, you know, Run DC, DMC was relatively famous, but you know, the fact is, after Walk This Way, they had one more, uh, you know. One more big record. I mean, I don't know. Tougher Than Leather was a big record. Sold millions of copies. But that came two years later. And then, you know, they had, like, one little comeback here and there. But, I mean, basically, they're not really a functional group. I mean, Run and D still play out every once in a while. Yeah. But really don't get along. And Jam Master J, you know, tragically was murdered, still unsolved from 2002. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, as time passes, our heroes get forgotten, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I remember, I don't know who said this, maybe it was like Conan O'Brien, but someone was badgering him about having his show time reduced, and he said, you know what, it really doesn't matter. What really matters is having fun, because, like, in the 40s, the most famous person in Hollywood was Clark Gable. So, like, everybody knew Clark Gable. And then if you walk around now on the street and you ask, no one's ever heard of Clark Gable. So it's like... It doesn't really matter, you know, in the end. It's it's sort of what you produce and what you leave. Yeah. I, I wanted to talk uh, talk to you something, if we can sideboard, if we could uh, put uh, Walker's Way to the side uh, for a brief moment, because, I mean, yeah. you, you've, been, uh, you've been a journalist now for quite a long time. In fact, you know, one of the reasons I brought up the kinks, because uh, you did that documentary, uh, uh, Do It Again, in 2010, and so... And, you wrote about that, I remember. It was very nice of you. Yeah, yeah, well, I was about to say, were we ever formally introduced? Well, I mean, we were formally introduced in that you interviewed me, and then I I talked to you, yeah. I mean, I think so. Like, oh. at the festival, I think we met in person. Yeah, well, well, I think we should just talk, because 
Uh, you, do you, you want to do you, you want to formally introduce ourselves to each other now? Is that what well? I'm just about? trying to remember because everything is a blur these days. But uh, I remember everything perfectly, and I uh, mean, I remember well, you walked into the room. You were wearing no, I don't know. I'm sorry, but uh, I do remember we met. Okay, well, yeah, that's what I was saying because uh, the the film festival we're talking about the uh, full frame documentary film festival because Do It Again is a, a documentary. And uh, that that was in Durham, where um, I was writing for the uh, News and Observer, which I believe was was that paper you also uh, did time at. Yeah, I was on staff from 1996 to 2002, so yeah. quite a while. You know, I was I was the arts reporter there, and you know that. Yeah, Jeffrey. And we got poor connection. You know. Oh, yeah. Well, Jeffrey. Did you lose yeah, Jeff? Me? No, not not even lose you. What? Uh, yeah, no, we, you're back. So, um, but yeah, you. Yeah, that festival was. You know, if for people who don't know the Carolina Theater, it's about a thousand seats in that big hall full, and we sold it out, and there were lines all around the building, and it was a really wonderful uh, moment. I mean, it was exciting. Yeah, coming back to. Where you used to well, I mean, do you have any memories of uh, working at the uh, News and Observer? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I covered the arts for six years. I, I, uh, you know, covered. Uh, I wrote a profile of the Museum of Art director that I love to do. I wrote a profile of the kind of character Ira David Wood. Oh yes, theatrical man. Who is who is uh, Ra- did, Evan Rachel Wood's uh, father? Father. Yeah. I did a lot of stories over there, and then I also lived in Boylan Heights. Uh, I loved uh, I loved uh, North Carolina. We probably wouldn't have moved from there except that we were having our daughter, and we're all up from Boston, and so we moved back there. And I got a job at the Boston Globe at that time. Yeah. And uh, but I mean, one thing I remember is that it snowed once, like an inch. Yeah. Maybe like an inch and a half, and they like canceled everything for like a week. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I, who were just like, this isn't a lot of snow. I think we got paid triple time to work that week. I was like walking through the inch and a half or like, you know, going on snow plows. And it was amazing, you know, because we're from the north. We obviously were not slowed down by that. But, yeah, you know, the paper, it's hard with these newspapers. The Post, where I'm at, and the New York Times are really doing okay. But otherwise, it's hard for these papers to really, you know, really survive. Well, well, also a big uh, issue of how you how you managed to survive because, like you say, you went from the Obser- the Observer to News Observer to Boston Globe to the Post, and you've done a lot of big pieces uh, for the Post, where you've interviewed uh, uh, many different people, like uh, I believe uh, Bill Murray, and you did uh, you did one piece on Chevy Chase, which uh, uh, that's that's that was quite memorable to me. Like, like it, I mean, you find it to be uh, kind of like, um, I mean, I mean, how, how you manage to persevere in this time when just people are just laying off left and right and everything? Well, I'm in a lucky situation, so I'm not like gloating about it, but I'm in a lucky situation where the, the problem with newspapers and the problem over the last 20 years is when they've struggled, the philosophy from the managers of newspapers or the owners has been, um, well, we're going to shrink down and do the things we do well. Mm-hmm. We're going to cover the local things, you know. The problem with that is people actually don't care as much about 
a zoning board meeting as they do about a big story. Yeah. So the beauty of the Washington Post is, <laughs> you know, we're owned by Jeff Bezos, yeah. who owns Amazon. He gave us a lot of money to expand our staff. And my job as the national arts reporter is very simple. It's to look all over the country and find the best big stories in, in, in the country. So it might be a giant profile Chevy Chase. I did a very strong investigative report on R. Kelly back in May. I did a, a, I did a profile of Julie Louis-Dreyfus. I just went to Israel for a story that I can't really talk about. The point is, you know, our idea is if you go big and you do something special, it's uh, it's it's going to do well. So that's what I try to do. So I'm lucky. I mean, you can't do that everywhere. Uh, and I just am lucky that I kept moving ahead fast enough to keep ahead of the the you know the cuts that everybody else has dealt with. And um, and also you've been doing a uh, podcasting. Uh, you did a you do a show for uh, WBUR. And yeah, I did, a, uh, I did an eight eight episode documentary style. A podcast uh, profiling people I thought were interesting called Edge of Fame. So it's everybody from like David Letterman and Norm MacDonald and Jimmy Kimmel to Ava DuVernay, Issa Rae, uh, Billy Joe Shaver, the country uh, outlaw, uh, Hanson, Weird Al Yankovic. I mean, I just basically knew, I realized when my reporting, I was in places that not everybody got to go. And I just thought, well, why don't I just keep the keep the um recorder running and so i ended up being able to do some really i think interesting it was a very different podcast because it wasn't like mark Marin, where he's just sitting across the table from a famous person i was watching the person that i was profiling in action and capturing that moment so you know people could still listen to it i'm not sure i'm going to do any more for a while because it took a lot of time and i have a job but um you can find it on iTunes, and I, I do think it's pretty entertaining. Okay, and um, like like I said, since you you, you are out there still uh, doing the journalism thing, uh, what what advice would you have uh, for somebody who um, uh, just uh, just don't seem to be struggling on a consistent basis? Who 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 was once uh you know had had a had a, a good uh, cushy job in a, a north carolina paper much like yourself but cushy that was a cushy job yeah i reviewed movies so it just like yeah you know, just i don't i don't know just like it was it, it was fun it was what you wanted to do right yeah yeah it was something i want yeah it was something i wanted to do but like i thought just i thought i would go the same way you did like you yeah. know i'd start up in this paper, then I move on to another, like so many newspaper men do. <laughs> and fortunately, we live in the time where that wasn't the case. And, and well, look, it's it's very hard. You know that this business is a hard business, and it's the only reason I keep ahead of anything is because I just work endlessly mm -hmm. and hope that I can keep ahead of it. But you know, like I'm 48 years old now. I don't know. Is that going to work? I hope so, but it might not. And so, you know, my attitude is just if you love something, I mean, that Kinks movie I made, I lost like 30 grand on that thing, you know, yeah. I just but the way the way I made that is I never made a movie before. And I had a friend who knew how to make movies and we just kept going. And that movie's weird because it's not really about reuniting the Kinks. It's really about my journey to try it. 
and how wacky it was. It was a very strange plot. But the only reason I made it is because I, I didn't listen to anybody telling me not to make it. And so I guess that's the only advice I have. It's like, if you want to do something amazing, I mean, look at all those models for people who have who've done great things. I mean, Issa Rae, I just invoked her. I mean, she was doing like a, like a YouTube web series and now she's like the it woman, you know what I mean? Everything she does turns to gold. Uh, you know, uh, somebody like Mark Maron, that guy was like basically like kind of a half failed comedian who started making a podcast out of his garage and he just kept at it. It seems like the thing you need to do is just be consistent, always do it. And it gives you, you know, a chance. But I, I also think that there's also a lot of, you know, we just saw this week some people from our former newspaper took buyouts. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like really sad and upsetting. Those people were really good. And just to have them go, uh, it's very disappointing. So I don't have any like really positive like things or uh, other than just this like do it thing. But that that's no consolation if it's a struggle, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I just I'm always just uh, filling out, looking looking for job openings. If if the if there is any in the post that you know of, or the globe, or just like if you. Well, I don't uh, think we have any. Fil- we got those people. It's like being in the symphony. Those people don't leave until they're they're like, uh, you know, they have to be like carted out. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a hard thing. Film, you know, think about it. Film. I noticed it as a, a guy who wrote a book. I got reviews in like the Atlantic and the New York Times and the Boston Globe, but there ain't a lot of. I mean, like I go to other papers and they're like the the NNO, for example. They're like, uh, we don't have any book reviewers. Yeah. Oh, and then I'm like, well, you could just run the one from the Post. And they're like, yeah, we're not using that service anymore. It's yeah. Like, there aren't, you know, there used to be in the olden days. Let's not get into this olden days talk, but in the olden days, there used to be a film person and a book person and a pop music person and a classical music at every paper across the country. It's like 50 papers had those people. Some, some towns had two papers with those people. And now it's, it's hard, you know, they, yeah. they can just aggregate film reviews and, and we don't get smart stuff anymore. So it's, yeah. it's very disappointing. I don't know what to tell you other than it's, it's a, but I mean, I don't know if you love, if you love writing and you, and I know you have talent, Craig. So it's like, if you love writing, it's like, you just got to do it. You know what I mean? You just got to yeah. write it. Who knows? You, could, you might write some crazy-ass, amazing novel out of this mess, you know? Who yeah. knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Well, I got to close it up. So where can uh, people uh, contact you and everything that, on the interwebs and all that stuff? Well, it's real easy to find me. I mean, it's Jeff with a G, G-E-O-F-F. Every story I write for The Post has my email at the bottom. I'm on Twitter. Uh, also, you know, go to Amazon. But... Craig, aren't we trying to tell these people to go to Amazon or whatever, yeah. your local bookstore, and buy Walk This Way? And if you want it signed, just write me. I'll arrange to have you even send it to me, and I'll send it back. I'll pay for the postage to send it back, and I'll sign it with a big blue Sharpie because I'm so grateful for anybody supporting what I do. It means a lot. And I'm uh, grateful for you including me on your on your show, you know? Thank well, you. Well, thank you for coming down, being on the show and talking and everything, and Good luck with everything, man. Thank you. You too, okay? Bye-bye. Bye. All right, that was Jeff Edgers. And uh, Walk This Way is a very good book that he has. So I'm going to close it out here. Um, I guess I'll catch you all on the flip-flop or whatever the hell you call it. 
until then, this is uh, Craig D. Lindsay saying, uh, Sarah Huckabee, uh, you, you need to, 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 to wear like a, another hairstyle or something like that because that flat look can make you look like your, your Sunday school teacher in the 70s. All right, bye.